Hello, my name is David. This is Galut Radio. And uh, today I feel very um, pushed to speak about the Zohar. And it seems like a good day for it because uh, since we have finished the seven days of Passover and are now on the journey to the 50th day through seven weeks, uh, uh, on the 50th day we received the Torah on the mountain of Sinai, um, and, um, and so we are in the second week of the seven weeks, and the second week is known uh, as the week of Gevorah, and Gevorah, Gibor, is a strong person, and uh, Gevorah is severity, and uh, it's on the left side, corresponds to the left arm. Chesed, kindness, is the right arm. And people are always surprised to find out that the left arm is the female side and the right arm is the, uh, the male side. The whole right side is the male side. And one usually thinks of men as strong and women as kind, or kind. And that, that's certainly true. Nonetheless, you know, in our essence, like we're the opposite, you know, just like the earth, the earth is a fire, but on the surface, it seems very pleasant and beautiful. And Mars, our opposite, it, it looks very um, uh, desolate on the surface, but inside is full of water. There's an idea of everything is its, is its opposite. Nonetheless, how is it that woman is strength and, and, and man is kindness? So uh, we can see it best in just the, uh, the, uh, uh, the anatomy of male and female. Now, what distinguishes man from woman are, are, are the genitals, and man's are outside, are revealed, and that's the idea of kindness, The kindness just goes out. And sort of like this, you sowed the secret, uh, that's the, the sixth week, that's the actually the thousand years we're in, the thousand years of you sowed in secret, and this like, uh, like bursts outside of, uh, outside of man and, and can be seen. Where woman is the opposite, her energy is going in. And that is the basis of strength, Gavura, as we know, we want to pick something up that's heavy, we have to uh, 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 squeeze our body, squeeze the muscles, uh, um, uh, contract. Of course, woman is famous for her contractions, you know, when she gives birth. And this is where woman is very strong. And so today is the third day of the week of Gavura, because it begins the day after um, uh the first day of Passover. And that day is called Tiferet, which is the torso, corresponds to the torso as the coming together, the merging of the kindness and the severity that it makes it, it what's called beauty, uh, completeness, shalom, uh, uh, um, and truth, emet, is all uh, in there, and we like truth cannot be just one side, like sort of like the Democrats and Republicans. You know, it can't be one side that's right. You, you know, same like you know, you, you know, persons right armed or left arm, left handed, but they need both arms. Anyways, that um, uh, and so this is Tiferet, which is the beauty. And so uh, that so it seems as very uh, a good stage on which to present the Zohar, because in a sense that's what the Zohar is. It is the 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 scent, the essence, the beauty of uh, darkness, because the Zohar means brilliance, a light that is just so brilliant that it can only come out of the darkness, as it says that the greatest light comes from the darkest place, and the darkest place is Govura, because woman is naturally hidden. That's why woman can always, like, sort of change her look, 
because none of it is true. Woman is inside. We don't really see real woman. Where man is more, you know, overt, and you see who man is. That's why man was given a beard, so he has a way to sort of protect who he is. Like my teacher uh, once taught me that uh, the face is a thief because it steals emotions from the heart and shows them to everybody. And so a beard, a man is very revealed. So the beard gives the opportunity of the man to sort of shield himself from the woman, which a woman just has kind of naturally. And so uh, today, being Tiferes of Gavura, the beauty of strength, is the great light that comes out of the darkness. And certainly the world as a whole finds ourselves in a darkness brought on by this pandemic, which is called COVID-19. And COVID has three meanings in Hebrew. And uh, the first is respect. And we have to understand that this has come upon us because we have not respected the creator who created this beautiful world. And we certainly haven't uh, 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 respected the creation down to the human being who is the most amazing of all of creation, able to articulate thoughts into speech. And... Uh, uh, and has shown disrespect for even the human being, leaves the human being, you know, laying on the street. We only pick them up now because they got to get them a hotel room. They won't make everybody sick. It's that little respect that we've had for the human being. And the next meaning of COVID <clears throat> uh, uh, means uh, heavy. The COVID, it's a heavy thing, and that's in the heart. And our hearts should all be heavy with what is going on. You know, when, you know, like we, we see through the news, uh, terrible things in the world. I mean, to me, you know, the, 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 you know, the worst of all that I've heard, you know, is, is a report out of Syria that the children are so cold, they can't cry. And, and, and yet we turn a blind eye to this. And uh, only our uh, compassion really opens up when, you know, it's our neighbor, our family, ourselves. So all the, 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 this uh, disease has come to us to wake us up. Because out of the darkness, uh, you know, will come this great light of awakening. That maybe money isn't the best thing to run after, money and power, pretending this world just happened and we're here and we should take as much as we want and don't care about anyone else, that that's not a good way to look at things. And, 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 and as we start to waken up, we're able then to do the third thing of what COVID is, is, uh, is the liver. The liver is called the, the, the COVID. And, uh, and what does the liver do? So the liver, what takes the, the, the shit out of the blood, you know, the soul's in the blood, but, but also got all this, you know, this, all this shit from consuming so much and the liver. And so we need to separate that out so that the, the blood and the soul can once again, you know, be expressed, you know, in purity. And a lot of this is this consumption without any reason. Uh, just consume for the sake of consuming. And, and this is bad for the earth. And America, as the end of this disease, it's all ending with us. And, and you know, and, you know, it looks like we're going to have a very, you know, uh, hard time with this because we are the engine driving this train. Everyone is following us up. The more that we can consume, the more they'll make and the more the world heats up and the more the world is sick and cries out to God and God sends us this virus. But along with the virus, there's also the, this deep light of revelation that uh, is just... Uh, uh, um, similar to the Zohar, something that's been coming for a very long time. And the Zohar, the history of the Zohar is very checkered. It, 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 you know, uh, 
when the Torah was given, where you celebrate the giving of the Torah, the sixth day of Sivon, which is in, you know, a few more, you know, four or five weeks. You know, we're in the second week, seven weeks, 49 days, 50 day, we get the, the, the Torah. And with the Torah, the Torah was given to us male and female. There's the male uh, Torah and the female Torah. The male Torah is the written Torah. That was the, the, the five books of Moses written over, uh, Moshe written over 40 years. And given the Jewish people as we entered into the land of Israel and told the people who lived there, Canaan, there were, um, I think, 31 kings of Canaan, seven tribes of Canaan. And they were told, and they knew, because Avram had been there hundreds of years before, and everyone knew that the children of Avram would come back and take the land. And they were told, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the laws of war in the Torah are very interesting, that, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, that you have to give the enemy a chance to leave. And that's what they were told. We've come back, we're taking the land, and you can, uh, you, you can leave, no problem. If you stay, then you will have to become our servants. And if you fight against us, we will kill you. And that's uh, what was uh, uh, put up to them. And some fought and some uh, fled and some stayed and became slaves and eventually were, uh, uh, you know, became uh, part of the Jewish people. And, um, yes, so where are we? Yes, yes, so, uh, uh, so that is the written Torah, and then all the books written after that, all the prophetic books uh, written after that were, uh, uh, there are another 19 and then five scrolls, but the first five books, that encompasses the 613 commandments commanded directly by God to the Jewish people. And, uh, and so for a thousand years, uh, uh, we had the written Torah, and the Torah is written precisely with a pen, you know, a feathered pen today, up to today, every letter has to be in the same place to keep the accuracy of the Torah uh, exact. But then there's the female, that's all the male Torah. But then there's the female Torah, and the female Torah is the oral Torah. The Torah that was passed on generation by generation and, 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 and is supposed to change by each generation. So what is the point of having something that will change over each generation? How does that show on the truth? So there is a very simple law in the oral Torah that you, you can say anything, can go anywhere, because every generation is different. But uh, it can never contradict the written Torah. It's completely free, but it's always tethered to the written Torah. So if one wants to say something in the oral Torah that contradicts the written Torah, either you got to figure that out so it doesn't contradict, or, or it doesn't belong there. So in that way, the oral Torah was ever was ever able to be transferred through each generation and to change with each generation, but to keep its fidelity to the written Torah. And then it came, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, we built a temple. It lasted for 410 years. And then it went to, um, uh, it was burnt down by Nebuchadnezzar. And the people who were exiled to Babylon eventually found themselves in uh, Iran, in Persia. And from there, uh, came back, built another temple. And the second temple lasted 420 years before it was burnt by Rome. And the people, uh, 100 years later, were exiled uh, throughout the world. And that's how the Jewish people got to be everywhere. And at that time, the rabbi said, if we don't write down the oral tradition, it will be lost. And so they wrote it down. It was, it had 600 different, uh, sections to it, and Rebbe, man who's known as Rebbe, uh, 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 he wrote it, he condensed it down into six, called Mishnah. And then for uh, a, a few hundred years, the rabbis argued about the Mishnah, 
and the arguments were enshrined in what is known as the Talmud. And along with the Talmud is the Medrash. And the Medrash are kind of like stories and, you know, things that we can extrapolate uh, to kind of a higher level. And also was written down at that time by Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi, uh, uh was written the Zohar. And the Zohar was so uh, bright that it was written in heaven and it couldn't come down to the earth. It was just too much light to bring down to the earth. A thousand years had to go by before the Zohar could be given to the earth and it was transmitted to Moshe uh, Dilion, a person who, a writer who was interested in Kabbalah because everyone knew that there was a Zohar, but it hadn't come down to the earth yet. Little things had come down. Everyone knew there was a mystical side to the Torah, but uh, they didn't have the text yet. And he wrote down the text. And uh, uh, then he passed away, and a rich man came by their town and heard about this and looked into it, and you know, he was a scholar, and saw that this was the real thing. And he bought it all from her, and he went, and he printed it, and, uh, and that's just around the time when the printing was uh, uh, invented. And he printed it, and that is our, um, uh, our record of the Zohar. And even there are many people who obviously didn't read the Zohar and dispute that this is part of the Oral Torah. Nonetheless, we see in the Torah herself that there are four distinct uh, separations in the Torah. First of all, there is the written Torah. It just was written on the scroll. And then there is the, um, uh, um, uh, you know, that's like the written letter. And then there's two that aren't there. <clears throat> when they write them in books, they'll put them in, which are the marks. <clears throat> and you have the marks that are um, uh, uh, for how you articulate the letter. The vowel. And then you have marks that show how to accent the word. The accent should be up or down or end. <clears throat> but these marks are not written uh, in the Torah. But they're written in books so people can know how to precisely uh, uh, pronounce the word. And, um, uh, and this is, you know, and this corresponds to the Talmud. The Talmud teaches the law about how to do the 613 commandments. And then you have the inflection, and that corresponds to the, uh, to the Medrash, where are the stories, the ex... The, the, the ex um, uh, I can't remember how to say it. The um, uh, it doesn't matter. The, the, you know, uh, I'll remember. Anyways, how, how one can draw out from the law, like deeper things, like stories. And then there's a third part of the, a fourth part of the the, the writing uh, of the Torah, which again is actually written in the Torah, which there are little crowns over little letters. Uh, crowns over certain letters, not all the letters. Certain letters have crowns over them. A famous story about Rabbi Akiva, who lived 2,000 years ago, and says that everything like, goes according to Rabbi Akiva. Like, he really saw the deepest. And um, uh, 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 that, uh, that, that, that Moshe, when he received the Torah, asked God, why do some of the letters have little crowns on them? Because where the letters come from, God engraved with God's finger into uh, a, a stone, which was a, um, uh, a cube. And, and from the, uh, the shards of the engraving came the letters. And Moshe noticed some letters had crowns, some letters didn't have crowns. 
And when God and Moshe were putting together the Torah, sometimes Moshe would put one eye. I said, no, they, another one, not, not with the crown. This one with the crown. That. So finally Moshe asked, what's with the crowns? So God says, in the future, there's going to be a man, Rabbi Akiva. And he is going to uh, learn all these laws out from the crowns. So Moshe said, I want to see Rabbi Akiva. So, you know, God is not spiritual, not physical. God's beyond everything, not time. So God took Moshe and put him, you know, God's like one. Everything's one to God. There's no past, present, future. You know, God is all one. So God took Moshe and put him in the time with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is teaching, you know, a thousand students. He had many, many students. So Moshe can't take it anymore. And he raises his hand. And he says, where do you learn all these laws from? So Rabbi Akiva says, you know, from the crowns in, in, in the letters of the Torah. So Moshe asks, how do you know this? And Rabbi Akiva said, this is one of the things we just received from Moshe Rabbeinu, from Moshe, our teacher. So then Moshe felt satisfied, even though he himself didn't really understand it when he received it, but he was receiving this knowledge that eventually Rabbi Akiva would uh, illuminate to the world. And, um, uh, and, and so these crowns, they correspond to the Zohar. And why are there four different parts of the Torah, one male and three female? Because God has four uh, uh, letters in God's name. And if they're set up vertically, they look like a stick figure of a human being. Because, you know, our form, you know, is full of, uh, of wisdom. And the tree of life which are the ten spirot, these ten luminaries are all uh, depicted in the human form. Some are tall, some are short, some are big, some are small, but we all got the same form. We all basically work in the same way. That's really how we can communicate with one another, because we assume, I mean, if I have this feeling, maybe this person has that feeling. Maybe has an opposite feeling, but, you know, we have ways to to, you know, really communicate, like animals just communicate emotionally. But a human being, we can take it a lot further. And that's what Torah is. Torah is Bokachma, was given with wisdom. Everything within it, uh, it, it fits together. Wisdom is not really a good translation, but, it, 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 but it's like, it, it's the essential kernel of knowledge that everything was created with. And the human being is also created with that. <clears throat> and and the Zohar, so so what's with the Zohar that it was so brilliant that that no one could uh, could see the Zohar? So the Zohar had to remain up in heaven for a thousand years, and then was brought down. And even what was brought down, no one could understand it. They understood well, this is really great, and it says certain some things like through it that just blows your mind. And opens up your, you know, to to uh, to a reality that you couldn't see before. It's the brilliance of the Zohar. But even at that time, which is a very bad time, you know, it's like you know, it was right, you know, it, you know, at the end of the Crusades, like a horrible time. It's interesting to note that what happened at the end of the Crusades was also the end of the thousand years of hold of retreat. And it was during that time that, 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 that these crusades just destroyed humanity everywhere, particularly the Arabs and the Jews who had formed a really close uh, 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 coalition through the Torah and the Quran. And that's certainly the way to peace in the future. And they went and destroyed it. First things they destroyed, they went into like southern France, Spain, where uh, Moshe de Leon was writing the Zohar. But they didn't destroy the Zohar, and eventually the Zohar found its way into print. And what I want to say, it's interesting, at the end of that, which was the end of, you know, the, the, beginning, of, uh, how the beginning of the Renaissance came out of the ashes of the, uh, you know, the Black Plague. And the Black Plague destroyed in Europe as many as they had destroyed in their wars. And then we're kind of even, and then we started this time of, uh, 
you know, 800 uh, years ago of the Renaissance. And, and, and even though the Zohar had been written down, it had been brought down from heaven to earth, uh, transmitted from Rabbi Shimon ben Yechoi in Aramaic, so the angels couldn't read it. And, uh, and it was there, but no one could understand it. So a few hundred years later, the Arizal. He has this, uh, they called him the, his name was Rabbi Yitzhak, uh, Yitzhak Lurie. And uh, they called him the Uri, the lion, because the way he devoured Torah. And uh, so he came to Tzfat, had a vision, was living in Egypt, came to Tzfat. He, he taught there for three years. It was just three years, few years. Got the flu and died. And uh, what he taught is is the uh, uh, he, he was the uh, the fulcrum, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, of what we know is Kabbalah. And Kabbalah, in a very uh, scientific, very technical way, and this stuff is really hard to read because it's so technical, and uh, uh, explains, gives us the wherewithal to uh, to open up the Zohar. Now, these were very high people, a few people, they lived together, they, they, they had like certain like um, uh, things that they um, uh, agreed on. Like they would never speak bad of creation. They never go out and say it's cold or it's rainy or, you know, it was, everything was blessed God, man. And he was like some really pure people. They got together. The result came. He taught. He never wrote anything. He said it was hard enough for him just to bring it down. And his uh, 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 trusty, uh, uh, not servant, but his assistant, Chaim Vital, he wrote it all down. And But no one could really understand this stuff except for very high people. And there were high people throughout the world who got a hold of this stuff. And wrote it down, and 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 uh, could study it, but it, it was yet to get to the people, and that then is the last movement, which starts ten generations ago, which are called the Hasidim, and it's interesting how the Hasidim got their name, and in the Talmud there is a a level of human being that is very, very, very praiseworthy. And, uh, and they call him the Chassid. And, and then it asks the question, so who is a Chassid? And it says for sure a uh, donkey driver cannot be a Chassid because he drinks and fights. So if you're a Chassid, you can drink, but you can't fight. And uh, then it says, uh, a camel drivers, they could be Hasidim because they go a long time without water. But for sure, who is a Hasid is a sailor. And, uh, uh, and you know, I haven't been in the Navy. I, I can really relate to that because when you find yourself on this big ship, floating around like a little corkscrew with these tremendous waves all around you, I think it gives a person an awe, a sense of awe, and a sense of humility, and a sense of fear. And perhaps that is a chassid. So I'm going to take a little break here, because uh, it's good to take a break in the middle, I think. And uh, uh, I'm going to come back. And let me just remind you that I have a website uh, called uh, Kabbalistic News. That's with a C. And you can go there and purchase a book. My books are very cheap, but they're mind-blowing books. I have a course there. Or just check the stuff out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I have five books. Um, uh, one published by Inner Traditions, and four were self-published. I have another 10 books that I, I, I need to publish. Uh, but um, anyways, I need to, to, to get an editor, so things I need. But uh, anyways, that, that, that's there, so uh, uh, please go and uh, check it out. And I'm going to come back in uh, uh, a few minutes. 
and we'll continue with explaining the Zohar and about the Zohar and what's happening with the Zohar today in the checkered history of the Zohar. All right. I'll see you then. Okay, welcome back. This is um, Galut Radio. My name is David, and we continue talking about how the Zohar has come to be expressed in our time now. And, and so we'd gotten up to um, 300 years ago, when the, the Baal Shem Tov, he is considered the beginning of the Hasidim. And certainly there were many people before that, hidden uh, uh, scholars and, and righteous people. But the Baal Shem Tov is considered the first one who actually came forth, and it became a movement. And, 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 and the people, uh, you know, the other Jewish people at that time, they laughed at these dudes. Baal Shem Tov, he spent a lot of time in the forest, tripping around, had these guys following him, they come into the town, and the people would laugh at them. And we say, oh, you're the Hasidim, you're the ones that the Talmud said, said were so, would be su such great people. And, and, and the derision uh, stuck to them, and they became known as the Hasidim up until these days. And it had nine iterations, uh, 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 through nine generations. And uh, uh, and the Baal Shem Tov, you know, he was very he was famous for explaining when people asked him how to love God, to love what God loves, which is the creation, and certainly the human being who is the crown of creation. And certainly women and children who are the crown of, of every man, whether there are women and children or somebody else's women and children, you know, this is the crown of creation. And uh, you know, it says after the, the, the temple was destroyed, after the Beit Migdus was destroyed 2,000 years ago by Rome, that prophecy only existed in the mouths of children. And uh, but uh, so that time, Bolshevik was a very hard time for the Jewish people. Uh, but the ones in Europe and Russia, uh, you know, uh, were just being treated horribly by the, uh, you know, by the Christians. You know, Europe was basically all Christian. The Jews actually fared much better uh, living with, with the uh, Arabs and Muslims, but the Christians were very hard on the Jewish people. And the Baal Shem Tov, he just had no fear. And there's many stories about the Baal Shem Tov, and it says, he who believes all the stories of the Baal Shem Tov is a fool, but he who believes none of the stories is a heretic. So you have to take your, your pick. And the Baal Shem Tov really, he wrote very few things. He wrote a very interesting letter to his brother-in-law in Israel. Uh, but he wrote very few things. And when he passed away, uh, they chose a new leader. They, they had sort of a contest, all the people who had gone with the Baal Shem Tov. And the one who could tell the most outrageous story, he would be the leader. And so uh, a man called the, the, known as the Maggot of Madrid. So he said that we all change our clothes before Shabbat. But I saw the Baal Shem Tov change his body before Shabbat. So they all agreed that the, he was the leader. And he said, if I'm a leader, I'm going to do things differently. And I'm going to make a great yeshiva. Yeshiva comes to where Shev to sit, where great only great scholars can come and study there. And I will teach them the, uh, the essence of the, uh, uh, you know, of the Kabbalah. But I'll teach them in a way that uh, they can pass it on to the normal people. This is like the last stage is to get this uh, information to the, to the people, to bring the Torah down to the earth. That's the whole point. And when the Jewish people bring the Torah down to the earth, then more people on the earth will know about the Torah. And, uh, and but he made a, uh, uh, you know, a, um, a condition with that the, what he would teach them would 
open up the Zohar, you, you know, the Kabbalah, would open up the Zohar, but they weren't allowed to teach the Zohar to, um, uh, uh, to anyone. The Zohar is not to be taught. The Zohar is uh, to be studied and then to be uh, filtered through the soul and the mind of these great righteous people, and then that can be given then to the people. And we'll have something that's very pure. And uh, as a result, so many of the people that he uh, taught uh, went out and became, established themselves as rebbies and, and, and had followings. And through this, there were many different traditions amongst the Hasidim. There are many different Hasidic sects that are drawn from these basic families. And people can, you know, trace themselves all the way back to uh, these people. You know, uh, 10 generations, some can go even further. You know, some can go all the way back to David. It's like 3,500 years ago. So certain people are known from the past who are who can trace themselves back, who were able to trace themselves back. And so those who can trace themselves back to them can trace themselves back all the way to David. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, uh, and, and, and they taught Hasidut. They taught this uh, essential knowledge, but they refused to teach the Zohar, and they told even that their students, their Hasidim, that even when they mentioned the Zohar, they could go and look at that little section of the Zohar, but not the whole Zohar. They were completely uh, discouraged from studying Zohar. Not so long ago, as these nine generations were ending, that uh, uh, someone took upon themselves to, uh, actually it happened in sort of in steps. In, in, in 1906, uh, the first translation of the Zohar into English was done by the head rabbi of Canada. I, I forget his name at the moment. He should excuse me. And, 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 uh, but he didn't do the whole Zohar, and he did parts of the Zohar, enough to wet the tongue of those who were not proficient in Aramaic. And, um, uh, uh, and were unable to, you know, uh, to decipher the Zohar. You see, the interesting thing about Aramaic, is just explain when the Torah was given, was also given the Aramaic translation. The people spoke Aramaic, so that's how they could then understand what the Hebrew meant. And without that, it would be impossible. And so many times in you know, throughout uh, Talmud, you know, is mostly you know in Aramaic, and uh, uh, all the written, you know, the oral Torah is you know basically in Aramaic, but particularly the Zohar is just you know, and uh, you know Zohar uh, Hebrew and Aramaic they're the same letters, and sometimes you know the same words mean opposite things. For example, uh, Anon can mean, you know, uh, means yes in Aramaic, but no in Hebrew. So you can see how it could get very confusing. And, uh, and then a, a few decades later, the Sulam, he came and he translated every word in the Zohar, plus he gave he tried to give an explanation for what the Zohar means because it, it talks about things that are not in this world and, uh, and about heaven, you know, uh, what's the point in learning about heaven? So even people now who could read the Zohar, and particularly with the Salom, because he translates everything into Hebrew, so a person, you know, like myself, could actually take the Zohar and to learn the Zohar, you know, learn the Aramaic, and uh, have the whole Zohar. But uh, even though the, that all the Rebbe said, don't learn the Zohar, the Zohar is there to be learned. And after learning lots of Hasidut and some Kabbalah, you know, about Ten, I forget how long. About ten years ago, I dove into the Zohar, 
and uh, I've learned through Zohar many times, each time understanding more and more. And uh, Zohar has really affected me. And how can I uh, how can I justify learning the Zohar when all the Rebbe said don't learn the Zohar? So one of the big questions in Chasidut that's in the uh, uh, you know taken from the Talmud is that there was a person named Rabba. Rabba was very high. He was so high, the whole story about how the angel of death was trying to kill Rabba, but uh, couldn't do it because he always spoke Torah. Every moment he was speaking Torah and uh, they were running after him. The angel of death was running after him. The Romans were running after him. No one could get him. Because as long as he spoke Torah, you know, God wasn't going to let this man die. And he had two students called Rava and Abaya. And you can't turn a page of, uh, uh, you know, an Almud, a, a page of the Torah without finding either uh, Abaya or, or Rava's opinion there. So, and, 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 um, um, uh, it, um, why am I bringing up Rava? And now I can't remember. Let me see. Well, I'll tell you the end of the story. The end of the story, uh, you know, that, um, you know, for the sake of me, I can't remember why I'm telling this story. Anyways, in the end, the Roman general found him. He was in a, in a, in a tavern. They were both there together. And he, drunk, he drank two glasses of wine. It says his head turned around. He was in much pain. And the... Uh, uh, um, and the, the 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 guy who owned the tavern, he knew Rabba Rabba was there, so he asked Rabba, Rabba told him, give him another glass of wine, and did and his head turned back around, and the general said, I know he must be here, but I'll let him get a head start because because um, uh, he saved my life, and and there's more to this story, but I can't remember why I'm telling this story. Oh, now I remember. Rabba, that he made a, uh, uh, you know, he was, he was so high and he could make like, you know, uh, these decrees. And one of the decrees he made that on the holiday of uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, that when Rosh Hashanah, the holiday, we blow the shofar, we sound the ram's horn, that if it falls on the Shabbat, we don't do it. And same with Lulav, we take the Lulav, and if it's a Shabbat, we don't do it. To today, we don't do it, because Rabbah said you don't do it. So they asked him, Rabbah, why don't we do it? So he said, because there might be a guy out there who doesn't know how to blow the chauffeur, and he's going to go out in the street, and find, he's going to hear these chauffeurs, and go out in the street, to, to, is that someone should help him blow the chauffeur. And, and later they ask, you know, it is a very odd thing. I mean, the whole Jewish people can't blow the chauffeur, can't take the lulav, because there's one guy who is so divorced from the whole Jewish trip that he wakes up one day and says, oh, it's Russia Church. I don't know how to do it. All these years, he never thought, I don't know how to do it. And no one else is doing it. So I'll just do it the way I think I should do it. And for this person, Rabba stopped everyone else from doing it. Till this day, we do not blow the show for take the lulav when it's Shabbat. And the question, who is this guy? Why is this guy so important that the whole Jewish people should, should, should not do it for this one guy? So this is my answer. That, 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 uh, uh, what would did Rabba mean by this? So Rabba was really talking about the Zohar and forbade everyone from studying the Zohar. That's why the Rebbe's from the very beginning, the Baal Shem Tov, the Magad of Madrid, all the, the, the great Rebbe's who came after that, they all said no. And this actually, this sugya became, you know, very prominent, just, you know, a question that's asked, you know, throughout uh, Hasidut. What is the meaning? Who is this guy? So, there's not necessarily one guy. 
I mean, it could be many guys. But we know that there's at least one. And who is this one guy? The one, yeah, so, you know, uh, uh, there's a story once, one, one of the great uh, Hasidic leaders who had a fire. And this man had written a book called Sefer Shalbanani, the uh, book for the intermediate man. So he he asked his uh, uh, he, he asked his son of the fire. He said, "You know, I had another book I wrote, but I never published it. No one ever uh, saw it because it's called the book for the the righteous, the Siddiquim." So he asked him, "You know, did you read the book? You know, if they read it, he would have remembered it all." They're great geniuses, these guys, and he said, "No, it had on it Harem Rabbeinu Gershon." meaning that no one, anyone who reads this is going to be excommunicated. So his father asked his son, no, what kind of chassid are you? So what? So what? I put it there, you know, somebody had no fear, should you, you should read the book. Now it's gone. So there's certain people who just, you know, for whatever reason, man, just can't fit into the whole trip. And, uh, and, 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 and therefore, we'll go beyond what is prescribed. And those who go beyond should be let to be go, go beyond, because they will discover things that no one else can discover. And so I, I feel uh, 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 like uh, that guy. You know, I could never deal with religion. You know, I find nowhere in Torah there's any word for religion. They have to make one up. And, uh, and I'm just not interested in having this kind of communal understanding of God. I mean, I think that we're supposed to have these individual things with God. And all the uh, emphasis put on, uh, uh, you know, the shuls and going and praying together, which is very nice, but it's more a communal thing. It's more about people. And God has been forgotten. You know, the, the, the story of the Baal Shem Tov, he went into to, to a shul once, and he said, no, I can't, I can't pray here. And I asked why. He said, it's too full of prayers. I said, oh, it's very good, a shul, too full of prayers. He said, no, this prayer is supposed to go up. These aren't going anywhere. People just say in the words, but they, no one's thinking about God. You know, they're thinking about their neighbor. They're thinking about, you know, who they can meet here. It's even more so, you know, 300 years later. So there's some of us who just stepped away from that and just wanted to learn the Torah, try to learn the truth. And finally it led me to the Zohar. And I, and I realized what the Zohar is and why the Zohar has waited so long to come into the world and to, to bring this light uh, that came from a very deep darkness for a time of great deep darkness. And the deepest darkness is really death. And death is known by the number 777, the year that Donald Trump was elected and the, 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 the years of his life, 70 years, seven months and seven days when he was inaugurated. And the population of the world at 7,770,000,000 on the day that the World Health Organization proclaimed uh, the virus uh, of um, um, uh, COVID-19 uh, to be a world uh, pan pandemic. And, and death is the end of a time. And, uh, and it's ending on the right guy. And uh, God has sent this virus for very right and, and, and good reasons. You know, the Jewish people, you know, in the Talmud, in a town, you had 10 Mavatlin, 10 people didn't know what to do, so they stood together and they studied. So if anyone needed a minion, they'd go there. Now everyone is the Mavatlin. They're everyone that, you know, they, you know, it's just a social thing. And people are suffering from this. But certainly people who pray every day and try to keep to the Jewish traditions now have to do them alone. And that's very telling. And everything God does, it's all to help us. So even though the times are very dark, but there's very right things that are happening. And we see it in the Zohar particularly because the big problem in our time, in my opinion, the overriding problem of all problems is the Big Bang Theory, which assumes that life just happens. 
when the truth is, and we say it in every blessing in the first six words, Melacholam, that God is king of the world. This is God's world, and we live on it only by permission of God, and we should acknowledge that the creator who isn't physical or spiritual, who cannot be uh, reduced into any word, <clears throat> any concept, and particularly not something as dumb as monotheism, and, 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 and yet is here the name of God, the four-letter name of God is replicated in every aspect, small and big, in creation. And the human being is the crown of that. And the Zohar comes in our time because these things that the Zohar describes can now be seen by telescopes and microscopes. And this is a sign to everyone in the world who has followed religion and science like it's some sort of dogma that they say so, so that's the way it is, even though they change every two minutes. It doesn't matter. But the Zohar is truth. The Zohar never changed from the time it was written to the time it was given. Everything is the same. <clears throat> Everything it says, which people go, oh, that can't be. Suddenly they find out it is. Just look in the cosmos, because it explains every intricate step of creation from the first engraving of the dot into the or and sof, this hard light that suddenly began breaking and cracking and produced what we know as black holes. And out of these black holes and out of what happened with inside them, the, 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 the uh, friction that happened as a result when God said, die, stop, and was therefore called Shaddai with the gematri of 314, uh, well, 314, the, the, the first three numbers of pi. And out of that came, that's why his name is always talked about when, you know, in regard to creation, and came the stars. And all the stars of the sky were directed to our little solar system. Certainly in our, you know, to our solar system. This is what the Zohar teaches us. The Zohar who speaks about things that we've only found now with telescopes. Uh, and um, uh, that all uh, that all of this is focused on the earth and the where the earth come from. You know, all this came out of like it says, God creates and destroys to get what God wanted. And and when God got what God wanted, God took a pebble from beneath the 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 chair of God. Obviously, an illusion. God doesn't have a chair. Uh, God can have a chair, but doesn't have. You know, God doesn't sit, stand. God is not physical or spiritual. It's all, you know, so it's part of the language. And took this little pebble and, 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 and made layer, four layers on it and created uh, our beautiful earth that would always be alive. And then out of this earth made the human being in the form of the yud heh vav -Heh, of the four-letter name of God. And there's the first command, the first law in the book of laws is to see the yud heh vav -Heh before you everywhere. And one can see it in their own body in the form of every person they see. The yud heh vav -Heh is everywhere, and we need to respect that. And uh, that's the first meaning of the word covet is respect. And we need to feel the heaviness uh, of the, uh, uh, you know, of this time. But also there's a certain, when you feel the heaviness, there's also a lightness you feel. And the lightness we feel is of the earth, which isn't quaking anymore because of too much human uh, 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 activity. And this virus has stopped at once, you know, this human activity. And all of a sudden the skies are blue. And, 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 and there's a relief we feel in the world, but they're, they're, they're pushing us even at the, the, you know, the cost of our lives to go out and work it and to prop this wicked system, which is only uh, looks at money. That's all that's important. But now we see, you know, fuck the money, man. It's people who are important. And, and, and we'll take the, 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 the poor off the street, we'll put them in a hotel because, you know, you're important and other people are important. We're all important. We're all in this together. Everyone is saying that except the dude at the top, you know. 
to him, he thinks that we're all here for him. But he is the, uh, the manifestation of the 777 in our time, not just to bring about death in, in the world, but to bring about death of his type. You know, it says that why did God create creation? Because God wants to be known in low. And that dude is low. There is nothing lower than him. That's why everyone puts him so high. And God is being known to this man because he had everything all wrapped up, man. He was going to buy America. That's it. And a democracy, he, he and Vladimir, man. And, uh, and all of a sudden, all is coming apart. And he has to worry because when, you know, when this election happens, and if it's not even close, there's no way he can stay in power. And people are worried if it's close, he'll, you know, we see what he does. He'll do anything anything to stay in power. And when he's pushed out of power, the first thing away him are handcuffs. And this dude is going to be brought down low where he belongs. And we're all going to watch this, and we're all going to be able to see what happened when no one on the earth could do anything, God interceded. And God is here to see that the story should end in a beautiful way. This is God's story. 6,000 years. We've got 220 years left to reclaim our nation. We should become the United States of reclamation and should reclaim stuff instead of consume stuff and let everything grow again and let animals be and let, you know, let us live a calm life and raise our families. That's really what we want to do. All this, you know, progress is just a cancer. And we need to cut the cancer out. And you probably start with the stock markets, you know. It's just, you know, trillions to these people and nothing to, 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 to the people, to the infrastructure, to the, to, to the local governments. So we're all seeing it, and they're, 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 they're fomenting uh, uh, revolution. They're trying to do it violently, but at the same time, they're doing it non-violently. And people are seeing this. We don't have to go out in the streets with clubs. You know, we need to stand strong with our local governments, and, uh, and, 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 and they will stand strong with us. And we have good governors, and the people of the United States are good people, and we don't have to fear the bully in his pulpit and, you know, whatever he has to say. It doesn't matter. The more lies he tells, the more lies people are starting to understand are lies. And uh, it's a time of reclamation, you know. It's a time of, like, really, you know, of this deep light coming in, into the darkness. So that is, you know, uh, 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 you know, my desire in making uh, these broadcasts, um, I guess as long as people listen to them, I'll keep doing them. And I, I just think this knowledge needs to get out into the world and maybe it takes someone beyond religion and beyond all this stuff just to put the knowledge into the world. And maybe that's why everyone couldn't learn Zohar. So those of us who would go beyond and learn it would really see it for what it is instead of something that they can make money from which a lot of these things are now. There are people out there saying it's, it's, they don't teach it. I mean, you know, I don't know, man. You know, don't trust in these people. Trust in God. That's the only one we can trust in because wherever we go, God says this and so wherever we go in this world, the next world, I am there. God is everywhere to everybody all the time. That's the Avramic message that, that from 4,000 years ago is not monotheism, but, but that the Creator is here all the time for everybody, everywhere. So with that, I'm going to uh, end for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, check out my site, KabbalisticNews.com. Uh, That's Kabbalah with a C, because the Kabbalah is the most feminine of all the teachings and therefore should be written with a curve instead of the three lines of the K. And, uh, uh, and on my site, I have five books, um, Kabbalistic Tarot, uh, uh, The Other Side, uh, Short Stories, um, uh, yes, and The Price of Peace, a novel, and uh, Meditations in Time, a real discourse on time and space, 
and then a lot of short essays in deciphering the labyrinth of life. And they're all worthy books to be read. I also have a course there on Udemy and how to read tarot. And uh, so please uh, go to my site and do something. And uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Uh, God bless all of you. And uh, God bless the whole world, man. We're going to get through this.